The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force continues to seep into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Our four brave adventurers have thus far foiled its plans, most recently stopping the Red Death from taking control of Agnes Hahn. But the Red Death remains undaunted. Our four heroes have the evil's full attention, especially Agnes. As Boston descends into panic, can they keep this force from holding illimitable dominion over all? Find out as they face the Red Death. Okay, so you're all uh, sort of shoved into a carriage. You make it back to the Han residence uh, without any incident. Is there anything any of you want to do before you go to sleep? Charlotte makes it a point to uh, remind everyone where their rooms are. Uh, and looking at Agnes says, I know you had a bit too much, dear, and that little flourish at the end of your speech is something that people will be talking about for some time. I am sure they will. Sorry, Agnes. <clears throat> I did my best. All right, well, we can talk about this all we want, or we can, you know, try to forget about it and erase it from our minds completely. There has to be some kind of something somebody can do for that, right? That doesn't involve alcohol this time. You know what we should do is we should take a little detour through the woods and we should all practice with the pistols. But this time, I'm not teaching you. And I'm teaching you? Oh, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I think that's a good idea. That's the worst idea. I think we James. ought to put the guns away. I think James, as Ignacia, uh, knows that that uh, Finn and Ignacia like go back. So like uses the opportunity to get Finn to go to sleep in Agnes's body, you know, like Are you, you gonna know, cast like, magic at me? No, no, just comforting talk like I think it's time and like hoping that that inebriated uh Agnes Finn will just recognize as Ignacia and just go to bed, start sleeping it off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Agnes would just fall asleep at that point. And then James Ignacia has just an awful night of sleep trying to sleep in this whole get up because he's not going to take any of it off. I mean, because he, you know, couldn't figure out how. And, you know, they could have asked. Okay. So if there's nothing else. So the next morning you all wake up. Um, Agnes, you have your first hangover that you've had in a long time. Um, but you're all still in the wrong bodies. It takes each of you a second to figure this out as you wake up. But sure enough, you look at yourself and it still doesn't look right. Okay, well, we can we can mark going to sleep off as a solution to this issue. Did you sleep in a ball gown? Uh, yes, uh, um, I was trying to be respectful. Like he plays it up as, you know, James says, um, yeah, I slept in it. I wanted to be respectful of everything. Oh, whatever. It's just it. a body. Come on. Get me. Get, don't stop wearing the ball gown. And she's going to push you into the bedroom and shut the door behind them so she can help you change. And then whenever we're alone, he goes, I could not figure out how to get any of this off. Please help me. <laughs> Every time I tried to, it just made it tighter. <laughs> Somehow I got it twisted around backwards, I think. It's really hard to breathe. Yeah, Ignacia's going to get James into her normal clothes instead of dress clothes. It's like, she's like, it's just a body, whatever. It's, it's, yes. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I really mostly just couldn't figure it out. There's so many latches and, and strings and, and things, and it's like 17 layers, it feels like. It's about 17 layers, mm hmm yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry you have to go through this. Why? 
Thank you. <laughs> and then, yeah, she helps you change, so. Is Agnes still in um, the dress gown, too? Yes. I think once they come out, I think once Agnes, Ignacy and Sawyer come out, and she's, wait, no, shoot, who do I have? Yes, Ignacy and Sawyer. Uh, Sawyer's going to look at Agnes and be like, and look at James and be like, James is just, <laughs> like, not able to function. At the, I mean, this is, like, emotional hangover, I guess, would be, like, the, the term. Um, after having witnessed everything before, and just is like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this do you, right do now. You, do you need me to? Yes, please. Okay. And so she's going to, uh, Sawyer's going to push Agnes back into another room. And get Agnes changed at least. So you said we're in guest rooms. So I think I think like Sawyer keeps reaching for the like the the suit, like a coat or a or, or something or a vest or something, and you keep kind of like I mean because I I don't think you're gonna think, dre dress me in that right. No, I think actually Ignacia knows where Agnes's room is, so she pushes you to Agnes's room to grab some of her clothes. After a few minutes of unwilling, you know, like, I don't want to be a part of this, uh, then Sawyer starts to, like, correct some of the choices that you're making. Like, like I think choices? this one this one would look nicer. And I think I saw Agnes wear this one two days ago, so let's give that one a moment. Wow. Okay. Eventually, she gets the ladies dressed, and then, but, like, since she's like, I, I don't know what will fit me here. I give up. Oh, you can wear that for, like, three, four more days. You're fine. This is a. Do you wear the same thing for? Just turn the in? shirt inside. Take take the shirt off. Turn it inside out and put it back on. Were you running last night? You're fine. You weren't sweating. Ignacia is offended. <laughs> Don't be too offended. Look at your feet. You've got two socks on there. <laughs> Not all of us can say the same. The morning after, if you still have only one sock on, this is on you. Let's be honest. I think now there are no socks. <laughs> so what? what's the game plan? What are we doing? I don't remember much. I mean, it I know seems Agnes like... I gave a speech. It seems like maybe the best option that anyone has mentioned is going back to the library, but do we even know how to do that? Yeah, with the library card. Well, my library card. Um, thanks. I guess James would probably keep that on him. So never mind. I can go get mine. That's no problem. And so Ignacy's going to go into a room and grab her, dig through one of her drawers to grab it, and comes out and leaves it. It's um, Agnes. It's in that inside right pocket. Like, like a dead face, Agnes slash James just like find like fiddles around and finds it and pulls it out. Yep, it's here. I, don't we just need one though for for a group? I guess my concern is that aren't we supposed to bring an offering of information with us in order mm -hmm. to uh, make this type of exchange? That's right. So you remember that in order to get there. Um, all that Sadet did was take the card and tear it in half and then walk through a doorway. Um, all of you were able to follow her. When you got to the library, leaving information was a way that you got a card to return. I think, I think, I mean, I can easily just rip mine. We can use mine and to get there. I mean, that works. So, you know, we can just save, save mine for her. if this doesn't work and we have to go back. All right. Everybody, should we get everybody fed first? Looking at the hungover actors. Oh uh, yeah, coffee, black, bacon, and uh, we should probably refill the flask before we go. We are not going to refill. I the remember. Flask. I remember having a conversation with your boyfriend. They don't have any liquor in the library. So first of all, Pachetta was not my boyfriend. Second of all, you were not 
to say a word to him while we're there because it's going to be strange. I mean, he'll know who we all are, really, but it's still, it's too strange for me. Oh, it's going to get strange. And then James turns to, uh, I guess, Finn. No, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do not allow liquor on my person pointing at Agnes's body. (laughs) I lean in and be like, I already hit the flat, like whisper to and be like, Ari, hit the flask. <laughs> Thank you. Agnes leans in. Where did you hide it? I was trying to say it so you didn't hear it. Excuse you. <laughs> All right, so fuel ourselves up. Smash cut. Yep. So smash cut to the four of you stepping through a doorway and into this large stone chamber where there's a sphinx sitting there looking back at you. And it says... We're all holding hands. Yes. And the Sphinx says, you've returned. And a stone door slides open, leading the way into what you remember was the series of trials, a series of puzzles to get into the library. Oh, God, forgot that part. (laughs) And then, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, oh, right. And unless we want to do this, smash cut to all of you moving the last hand on the clock to uh, the right position and the, the clock in the center of that final room starting to spiral and work its way downwards very slowly as all of you jump on, unless you object. Now that's good. Okay. What would be diff- Would there be anything different about the trials now that the Red Death isn't the hijacked of them? No, you're thinking of the trials in the museum. This is the trial, this is like the clock thing we had at the library. Yeah, so the first time you went through here, uh, all the Red Death stuff was contained to underneath the museum. And after you tore uh, the card, you stepped through, you saw another Sphinx who was a lot friendlier than the one that uh, James and Agnes had seen. And Sadette walked you very quickly through a series of puzzles that she just sort of solved but you remember enough of what she did to be able to piece them together again. So we don't need to, we don't need to RP that. Okay. Unless you want to. No, it's all right. All right. And so slowly it descends and you hear the echoing footsteps of Pachetto walking over to you. And James, he looks at you and says, Agnes, you're back. James, Confused or James Agnes uh, in confusion looks over at Agnes Finn, God, <laughs> and back again. And mm-hmm. just like, ah, uh, excuse it's me. You, just, well, you've switched bodies around, but it's still you. And you can uh, discern this how. Precisely. He smiles and says, Oh, after however long it's been, uh, you learn a a thing or two and learn a thing or two. I guess that's one of the benefits of aging or not aging as it would be here. He laughs. He says, "Um, I can see that you're all switched around. How about that happen? That's fascinating. Well, we could tell you about it if if you switch us back. Absolutely. Are you ready to do that now? Yes, please. Wait, says, how, how do you know how to do this? He says, well, I, I don't, but I know how to make it happen. Is it going to be fast? I wish you were all back in your bodies. And you're all back. Could you put us back one more time? No, thank you very yes, much. Yes, please, please don't. No, just <laughs> no, no one else. <laughs> um, spell casters, give me an arcana check 27, 22. So, both of you, uh, Ignacia, your grandmother told you stories about people who could use magic so powerfully that they could simply will something into existence. 
that they could make a wish and have it come true. And uh, Agnes, in your reading about this sort of nonsense, uh, the things that you thought were nonsense before, um, you heard stories about, you know, the sort of like genie granting wishes kind of stuff and even read accounts of people being able to make wishes come true, which of course you dismissed as them having set things up carefully ahead of time. Um, but both of you know that this is an incredibly rare thing for a person to be able to do. Um, Ignacia, your grandmother said that only the absolute most ancient and powerful casters could do such a thing. And Agnes, this isn't a trick that many people ever pretended to be able to do. I think Agnes, well, first looks at Finn, but then remembers and then looks at Ignacia <laughs> and just kind of has like a meaningful, like a, are we thinking the same kind of thing glance? I think, yeah, I think once Ignacia like looks at Pachuto and just like a respectable, like, okay, all right, I see you. Uh, look, looks at uh, Agnes and just gives a nod. And then I think Agnes sits down in the nearest chair because Agnes is probably not feeling so great right now. Still, he very quickly sits down next to you and says, "Are, are you quite all right, Agnes?" I will be, I'm sure, with time and hydration. He. Uh, conjures a, a glass of water in front of you. Uh, thank you. As long as you promise to keep this away from the books, it'll be quite all right. I think there's going to be a lot of water and only water pointed look at Finn in the near future for me. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you're suddenly, so for everybody else, it's a smooth transition back. But for you, it's like, it's almost like getting chucked into a brick wall um, in terms of like head first. So, yeah, this not not the worst headache you've ever had, but pretty damn bad. Fun. I think like Agnes is kind of like eyes downcast a little bit because things are spinning a little bit, uh, and just kind of doing that thing with like hand on the table, other hand like also on the chair, trying to just find some kind of grounding. Um, he says. Would you, Would you like, like me, me to, to, you look, look a bit ill? I, I think I am a bit ill due to someone present. So he places his hand over yours um, and a warmth runs up your arm through your body and you suddenly feel completely better. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I haven't James. ever felt quite that bad before, I don't think. James puts together what's happened and says, I knew there was a way. He says, how, um, how long has it been? For me, it's been, <laughs> uh, what is time anyway? How long has it been? <laughs> For you, like two, probably two months. Yeah, that's what I figured. Month and a half, two months. I think that we are just coming up on about two months since we last visited. He says, oh, I've read all these books quite a few times since then. Are you, I'm not sure whether that's because you're a fast reader or because we've been gone for years, centuries. He says, after a bit, it just becomes time and as you know, the, the glasses make things quite a bit easier. Well, at least you have something to keep you occupied. He says, indeed, indeed. But I don't suspect that you came to have me switch your bodies back. Did you? And for a moment, he looks almost disappointed. We've been meaning to come back for some time now, but things have been very bad up there and then Agnes kind of like thinks about like up there like for some reason in her mind the way that whatever interdimensional stuff is happening is like this is underneath and 
like the Boston as we know it is like up there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we've been talking about returning quite a bit, haven't we, Ignacia? I oh yes, yes we have. You think to yourself as he appears to believe you that he's a smart guy, um, and it must be that he wants to believe that's the case. Mm-hmm. But he does seem to believe you. He says, well, uh, what's, what's been going on out there since you've been away? Uh, and I think Agnes would want to, like, sit down and, like, have us all, like, tell him, like, the full rundown of what has happened, like, as honestly as we possibly can. Okay. So as you tell the part about the... And I assume all of you are completely honest with him. Yeah. Yeah. Finn Finn isn't going to talk much. He'll just sit down and like kind of go through his belongings and make sure that everything's right with his pistols and his little cigarette case. He has a cigarette in his mouth. He knows he's not supposed to light it, but he needs it. But Hmm. the flask is missing, by the way. Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) So, yeah, you notice, um, and Finn, maybe one of the reasons that you don't talk nearly as much is because when the things you say, he looks to other people for confirmation of everything you say. Of course, it occurs to you that he knows about the ring and he knows what the ring does. Um, So the things that really pique his interest are the discussion of the guns that Finn got and how they, they flew to you. That aspect of it makes him curious. Um, And then the, but the part at the end about the Red Death not being able to see the two of you is his eyes actually light up as you're talking about that. And he waits for all of you to finish. But when you have, he says, would you like my interpretation of what I think is going on? It's, of course, only my opinion and certainly not fact. I know I certainly would appreciate any input or insight you have? This is the broadest smile you've ever seen him smile when you say that. And very excitedly, he launches right in before waiting for anyone else. I started wondering about this. And so as I was reading, I was looking more carefully at the discussion uh, about an old theory that rather fell out of favor because it was dismissed as sort of what would the word be? Uh, nonsense. That when the Red Death entered this plane from wherever it came from, a force of pure goodness followed after it in an attempt to catch it and eradicate it, but only part of it was able to come through. And as that force came through and realized it was not strong enough to defeat the Red Death on its own, it broke itself into pieces so as to hide itself. The theory was that it broke itself itself into three separate pieces and inhabited the, what I suppose you would call the soul of different people, transferring from one to the next to the next upon the death of one and the immediate next birth transferred into that, if that makes sense. So uh, when one passed away bearing this, um, different languages call it many different things in different cultures, but um, the immaculate is one that keeps coming back. That when someone's bearing the immaculate within them dies, it simply transfers to the next person born immediately after. That notion that the immaculate would hide itself from the Red Death would explain how this ring, and he gestures to the ring um, on Finn's finger, would be able to be used by him, but not bear the full force of the Red Death. That would also explain why the Red Death, when you were in your sister-in-law's mind wasn't able to see. Now, again, this is all my interpretation, but 
Uh, I, I could certainly show you books that uh, that discuss this if you'd like. Uh, yes, I think we would all appreciate any any literature that discusses this. I'm good. So he uh, he jumps up and he rushes over, and you actually see that there's a stack of books near his desk. Um, and so clearly these are ones that he's been pouring over and reading again and again and again. And he brings them back and he excitedly shows you all these pages and diagrams. He says, many cultures have called it many different things. There's um, the Holy Trinity in Christianity or uh, the one that according to the research and the speculation I've seen that came closest was the Akan principle of the, the three-part personhood, um, the, the life principle, the blood principle, and the personality principle. Um, I, I assume this is not something you all have heard of. I, I don't think I have, uh, Ignacia. Ignacia is currently taking notes because she has never heard of this, so she looks up she's like, oh, um, no. He says, well, in, in short, the, these three principles are three separate forces that give life to the universe according to the Akan philosophy, but the theory is that tracing them back leads to this split of this force of pure goodness into three. There's um, the life principle that is the, the speck that is supposed to create life in the individual in contrast to the red death, which represents, you know, of course, uh, death. And then uh, the, the magia or, or blood principle is said to represent the mother and give identity to a person. The, and then the third, um, which comes supposedly from the father, is the, the personality and force that, in short, makes the person's character as it is. I, I, I'm grossly oversimplifying. I have many more things you could read on it. And he gestures sort of broadly to the entire library behind him. Um, and he says, but the theory is that there are, and he looks directly at Finn and Ignacia, three of you, and that only the three of you working together would be able to stop the room death. The good news, if this theory is correct, is that you are completely invisible to it, which seems to be the case. The bad news is that it will do everything in its power to kill you. Sorry. Well, that's hardly your fault, is it? No, don't apologize for, for providing information. Um, who's the third person then, if there is a third? He says, well, it's incredibly improbable that the two of you would find each other, much less the third person. I, I don't you know, think of the number of people on the planet and think of the odds of the two of you just both happening to be immaculate. How would you be able to tell that someone is one of those just by... Looking at him, or is this a hunch? If I showed you a picture? He says, no, it's merely a theory, but it would explain why this ring that was uh, an artifact forged by the Red Death itself has been unable to corrupt you or speak to you directly. Has it corrupted you or spoken to you directly? I don't feel particularly corrupted. Nope. He says, and would it explain why in your sister-in-law's mind, as influenced by the Red Death, as it was trying to take her, it didn't see you? I feel that, I don't know, I have strong feelings on the idea of coincidence. And I feel like this is having the... two pieces of this puzzle, as it were, here, present, 
now it it has to be more than just coincidence right like some something somebody put this in motion somehow i just honestly find it to, i was gonna say fate but i just sometimes the stars align and people find each other but the thing is who is this third person that's what i want to know well, I, I would caution you from leaning too heavily into this. It is, of course, only a theory. Yes, yeah, I know, it's a theory, but it's a pretty sound one from everything I've heard. He nods and he says, it is a theory that I'm not able to dismiss at this point. What would be the benefits of having all three people in the same place at the same time? Well, I don't know. The If this is the case, the discussion of it says that the Force split itself into separate parts in order to hide itself from the Red Death. It would make itself a tremendous target. However, if those pieces were powerful enough or had gained power over time, it would, I suppose, explain why they wanted to be separate to gain power. But if they had gained enough, then perhaps they could face and even defeat the Red Death. Perhaps it's not something that we should write off altogether then. No, any theory that is not yet disproven but still potentially falsifiable is not one to discount. There has to be something here. I mean, there there are all these books, there must be some information on what one would do to try to track down such a person. He nods and he, you see him sort of searching his mind for it. Um, he says, I'm sure there are, but I'm also sure I can't think of any right now. I remember everything I've read in here, but so do the pages and they don't speak, but I, I <clears throat> If you come back, perhaps I could have found something in the interim. Well, we're, we'd always be happy to come back. And I would be glad for the company. Then we can make sure that it's not such a long interlude this time, I suppose, right, friends? And just has a huge grin on his face watching the two of you. I, I think Ignacy has a small little smile, but she's like, of course, yeah. Then come back soon. Yeah, I mean, I'll come whenever you are ready. He says, well, if you take the time to write this down, then I could, you know, certainly give all of you cards again. Uh, certainly. We'd be happy to contribute information that could be useful to the library. Mm-hmm. I think Ignacy's already starting to was writing notes down, so she just takes another piece of paper and starts writing, writing the rest of it down. Okay. And fishes through his pockets and uh, pulls out a crumpled up piece of paper that has the wedding speech that Agnes wrote. And he unravels it and he tries in vain to get it to look real nice. And then he slides it over to him and he says, this was written by Agnes herself. He says, uh, well, this appears to be a speech that you gave that indicates at a wedding. If only that were the speech that was given at said and then wedding. Finn just holds out his hand ready, ready for his card. <laughs> well, no, Mr. Sawyer, Mr. Finn? Sure. Mr. Shore, you, this is not... This is not the sort of knowledge that this library collects. It is, and he looks a bit sheepishly at Agnes, quite a wonderful speech, but it is not the kind of knowledge we're after. He gives you a knowing look. Oh, and I guess I don't get a card. James has been writing down like everyone else. Okay. Yeah, so he looks over the notes you've written and he says, oh, yes, these will be enough. Um, thank you. And um, 
if you come back, say, uh, tomorrow, your time, that should be plenty of time for me to have gathered information by then. Tomorrow it is, then? It's a date. And he looks back at the two of you, back and forth. Magnus glares at you for a while. So he, then he says, uh, and Agnes, if I may speak to you for just a moment. Agnes looks at the others first, kind of just like, I don't know, for reassurance, for just like being, being the anxious soul that she is. I think Ignacio just gives you like a, what do you mean for go? Like sort of look. James says, I think there was one more volume on centaurs I didn't read last time. Was there pictures in it, James? I'll go with you. Now let's go find out. God forbid I should keep them from their centaur research. I, I am available for speaking. Ignacio's like, may I see the book? And then she like, takes the book and just like walks away and starts reading it with the glasses on. Yeah. Since your friends seem to be unhealthily obsessed with these centaurs. You know, I was thinking something similar. But if I will never try to dampen someone's pursuit of knowledge. He smiles and he says, no, no, of course not, of course not. Forgive me for being so bold, but there's no other way to put this. You interest me. I will interpret this as a compliment. He says, oh, of course, I mean it as, as a... As a compliment, uh, of all the people who have come through here, there's something different about you. I, I notice your skepticism of everything, but that skepticism seems to be different now. A lot has transpired since the last time we visited. He says, I, I, too, when I first heard about even this place, thought such things couldn't be. But over time, I came to think that perhaps the rules, places like this, or abilities like yours or mine follow, are simply rules that we haven't quite understood that. And I've had quite a bit of time to read and think and think and then read some more. And I wonder if perhaps that's it. That most people don't quite grasp all of the rules, only the simplest ones. I think I understand what you're saying. What I mean is, I don't think anything is really magical. I think in the sense of things happening for no reason or things happening simply because someone wills them to be the case or anything like that. I think some people know how to follow rules that other people don't know exist. And I think you and I might be such people. And your friend Ignacio, of course. M many of us exist, but I think you and I are too. I think when you explain it that way, it makes much more sense to me than the way that it was explained to me when I was younger. Oh, I as well. It was my grandmother who first told me stories about magic spells and dragons and things like that, that of course, they're fantastical. I think Agnes, at this point, gets kind of a serious look on her face. Um, not, that it has a, not that it's been like a non-serious look, but it gets particularly grave at this point. Uh, and she says, have you ever either experienced or read about in detail a phenomenon such as uh, speaking to someone who's passed? Or perhaps, I guess, rather the body of someone who's passed while being puppeteered, I suppose, by something else. What do you mean by 
puppeteered. Theories say that the dead aren't really gone and that until some future point, the spirits, if you will, of those who have passed some essence of them that doesn't abide by the physical rules that humans have figured out at this point, that they, that that force, that power, that essence, or that personality, as the Akans would call it, lingers. And it, it's not impossible to imagine that people could speak to them. What I'm speaking of is more of, I had a, an experience, uh, it certainly was an experience of, of speaking to the Red Death through a, a, a corpse, as it were. Oh yes, the doctor's corpse in the morgue that you spoke of. Yes. Is that, are there people who, who just do that regularly? Is that a thing that happens? I wasn't exactly prepared for it is what I'm trying to say. And I would, I don't know, perhaps enjoy, not enjoy, there's nothing very enjoyable about that, but I would appreciate being better prepared in the future should such a thing happen again. He says, well, I, I, I do worry with everything you said and all the, the threats that the Red Death has made against you. You, I don't seem to be the only person who's interested in you. I'm going to be very frank with you, Pichetu. I think I need help. I can provide knowledge and friendship. Do either of those seem to be helpful to you? Both of those are extraordinarily helpful. Well, anytime you wish to visit, I would be happy to see you. Your friends are mostly nice, but I would also be glad to see just you. I, I apologize for my friends who are not always the most well-mannered. I've, the recent wedding has really brought that right into the light how how poorly those things can go <laughs> but i i would be i would i would be very happy to come back here by myself and to visit you here in this library obviously you know this is a library you're here all the time you live here but yes is what i'm yes is what i'm saying and he gets that big goofy smile again um, and then quickly pulls it back together and he says, well, um, yes, yes, that, that would, would be wonderful in that it would fill me with joy. Agnes gets like very, like cannot make eye contact staring at like literally anything that is in those surroundings that is not like does not involve eye contact <laughs> um, and just says I will make sure that not quite so much time passes before the next trip through the looking glass he sort of cocks his head at that you've traveled through the mirror to get here uh no I, I, I think I know something that I will bring to you next time I come he says, oh, that would be wonderful. I warn you, it is another book, which you may be somewhat sick of at this point. No, a new book would be welcome. This place collects fact and reason speculation. Um, it's funny. I, before this, I never liked fiction, but it has been a long time since I've read it. Sometimes it's nice to visit somebody else's problems for a while and leave your own behind. And fiction does a very good job of that. Because yes. they're really nobody's problems, no real people. He nods. It's you also point. notice that he's making eye contact with everything else other than you at this point. It's just like flustered birds just like bobbing their heads. Mm -hmm. It's at this point James comes back uh, with a book. It says, well, as it turns out, there's a race of centaurs that was mostly human, but just a horse head. So from here down, human, 
from here up, horse. Thank you, James, for that. A, a wild world out there that we had no idea about. You hear from way back in the library a uh, voice shout, James, you want to come over here and see this one? This one's got wings. James. Oh, my. And takes off running. I have a question. I think Ignacia kind of just went like a couple hours over. Because she has a really high passive perception, did she hear any of the conversation at all? Or uh, Give me a perception roll since you're actively trying to hear this. Okay, fair. 29. Every god damn word i think she's just sitting in the aisle she's not even reading at this point she's just listening and she's just like got this biggest grin on her face just like oh 29 you probably hear agnes's thoughts yeah <laughs> you hear her pulse quicken <clears throat> and pachettes well if this if the reverse centaurs have come out it might be time for me to attend to my friends again before this gets out of hand he says, yes, 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 yes I, I, I understand. understand. I understand. Um, and I think I'm just like listening. Agnes is like listening for for whoever is the closest by. Like, am, are we aware? Of, am I aware of your presence at all, Ignazi? Or are you like, are you in the shadows? I mean, these bookshelves are pretty tall. Ignacia is a, is a short lady. She's She's lost in the labyrinth. Hmm. If you want me to, I can do a stealth roll to see if I'm anywhere here. <laughs> I think I, uh, Agnes is going to go out um, and just start kind of looking for people. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just in a, a couple aisles over. Okay. So as you do that, uh, Pachetu busies himself, um, and you see him walking back and forth between his desk and the table, and he's opening books to different places. And he indicates to you that he has a few things that he means for you to, to take a look at before you leave. Um, but what would you like to look for in the library? Anything or? So specifically, I'm interested a little bit. This is a little abstract at this point. But if there is anything kind of generally on beings of power that are kind of akin to the Sphinx, on a meta level, Agnes is starting to get interested in other entities uh, for like potential more luck adjacent shit. Yeah. So he, uh, so he, do you ask him about this or are you just sort of browsing? Uh, I think I'll ask. So Ag Agnes um, kind of this, like the, she doesn't want to be overheard by the others at this point. Like this is like something she's not shared with anybody yet. Um, ask Pichetto, is there any general, any books of general knowledge on, I know last time I came here, I came asking about sphinxes, um, but if there are any other creatures or entities that are particularly powerful that could potentially be helpful, more so than potentially dangerous, then I would be interested in getting to know more about those, especially if there are any that might be willing to enter into some sort of agreement. I'm looking for potential allies in strange places right now, I know. Okay, so on a meta level, in terms of like a warlock, you're looking for a patron. Yeah. Okay, he says, uh, well, I don't know. I, I can show you many, many books on what the everyday person would call a, a mythical creature, but a, a being powerful enough to confer magic would be, I suspect, only the Red Death of the Immaculate. Hmm. Well, we're already starting to investigate the Immaculate, so I suppose that will help. He says, but, but that's, that's another thing I can look into. I'll have plenty of time to look for things before you're back next, even if you come back tomorrow. Of your time. And if you could not mention this to the others and just have this be between us for now, I would greatly appreciate that. He says, I'm happy to keep any secret you would like me to. Agnes kind of like does a meaningful nod. 
Okay, so is that all the library stuff we want to do? Yeah, I think so. Right? No, I don't want to speak for everybody. I think the last thing that Finn does when everybody's going to be leaving is he he covertly drops a small handkerchief that he took from Agnes's room in a place that he knows that Fashetta would find it. <laughs> That's all. Because we're siblings and we we do that, don't we? <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is like a normal sibling relationship. <laughs> Wing manning for each other. <laughs> Possessing each other's bodies, you know, normal sibling shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you found everything you need to find in the library, you head out and Bichette waves goodbye as the clock works its way slowly upwards. All right, so you get back to Boston. What do you do? I mean, James is looking for a sock. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you need Ignacia to come over with her small body to look underneath her bed? Yeah, I think James invites Ignacio over, like, under the pretense of, like, let's just hang out, you know, have some tea or something. But really, like, can, you, can you help me find my sock? And then as you're leaving, he's like, you know, could you, can we just look under the bed real quick? She will help you find your sock. Sock has been reacquired. <laughs> All right, it was so underneath your dresser. <laughs> All right, so if the two of you are heading back to James's apartment, uh, here's where we'll, here's where we'll leave it. So as you open the door uh, to your apartment, James, you see Sadet standing there. She looks sort of surprisedly at Ignacia and says, well, never mind. It's just as well that you know anyway. This, this has gone from bad to worse. The Red Death is... Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yansu Davis as Agnes, Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as the Game Master. The Red Death is part of the Roll to Play Network. It is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue. Discover more at RollToPlayNetwork.com And do join us next time, if you dare.